saw my baby walking with another man today. Hello, 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 and welcome to a brand new series on the conventional line. Yes, we are pumping out the new series. And this time, we are here to talk about the grappling in that little cage thing. Uh, it's called MMA. Uh, but right now, we're going to talk about the UFC in particular. And I'm joined by a man who does not watch the sport at all. At all, Right. I'm John Benson Greenaway. Nathan, how are you? Hello, I'm here. I don't watch UFC. That's the first thing that the listeners need to know. So they can look forward to this wild ride. It is going to be wild indeed, because you basically laughed at a lot of things initially. You were like, what's going on? Because for hours, they would just talk, and then they would have these fights in the middle. It's like a podcast with fights in the middle to entertain you. Um, but yeah, I think... We are going to start off with the final major UFC show, of course, which is UFC 256. And what a show to start on, because this was, from my perspective, one of the best shows, if not the best shows of the year. And yeah, so coming into this, I mean, from what I told you about Fighter of the Year, did you have any expectations coming out of this event? No, I had none. I didn't know what to expect. You kept telling me it was like the best thing ever of all time. But <laughs> you do that a lot. So I kind of just blocked it out. Because like, well, I'm not yeah. going to hype. hype. I'm not going to let Rahul's hype ruin it. Uh, they did talk a lot. And yeah. they they shield a lot of stuff. They tried to yeah. sell me many things. I didn't buy any of them. Did you not? No, I, I bought every single one. didn't buy anything. Uh, yeah. I also don't really think. Were they actually on an island? Uh, no, not this time. Oh, okay. It was a fight island. Fight island is a thing, and fight island is pretty dope. But, um, I mean, it is dope in terms of, you know, of giving us the sport. But, of course, it has has its issues with the intent. But uh, that's not a topic for now. Uh, let's start off with the event, and we're just gonna talk about the main card for now. And yeah, so we started off with, of course, the heavyweight bout, which is a standard every UFC event. Not every UFC event, but, you know, at least in recent times, we have seen that you start off with the big men to to get the crowd hyped. Um, I don't know if, if, yeah, but anyways, it was Junior Dos Santos, who is one of the most lovable people in the world, right? Who basically... I remember this one moment in the past where this dude, um, he basically had to tell the crowd, why are you booing me? And it was like the most innocent thing. Like they were booing him because the fight wasn't that entertaining, but it was not his fault, essentially. And yeah, he's just a really nice man coming into this fight on the back of quite a few losses. And, like, I mean, bad losses, like finishes. He's been finished a lot. And he was coming up against Cyril Ghan, who is an upstart coming into the UFC. He's had about four fights, I think. And, yeah, he's been pretty dominant. So, 
Nathan, what are your thoughts on this fight? Uh, my first thought was it seemed like because they were super big yeah. that they should have maybe had a bigger cage for them. Uh, <laughs> right. Because Fair. when they had the smaller people in the cage later, it seemed like, oh, this cage is huge. But when these guys are in there, these two, these two big guys. Uh, was this the guy, uh, Gain? Is he the one that had the weird tattoo on his chest? Uh, I think so. Oh, that was I mean, so many people do. I forget. Yeah, it was super distracting. I didn't really like it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just it's two big guys. They were just trying to punch each other. There was some spin kick attempts at one point. And then the uh, the guy with uh, Gain, like, I think punched him in the stomach. And then it was like, yeah. So uh, it came yeah. to like a cr- bit of a crashing halt at one point. But hey, it seemed all right. Two big guys trying to beat each other. If I this fight would have been better if it took place in like the alleyway behind a franchise restaurant, and it was like two dads fighting over something. <laughs> like they they're both their kids are there, and their kids are like, no, dad, not now. But the guys they just have like a big fight outside, like behind a Burger King. Are they drunk? No, because you can't buy booze at Burger King. They're just they're just those types of angry dads. Right. Quite quite a familiar thing for so many people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Junior Dos Santos, he used to be an elite fighter, and of course, as you can tell, his time is running down. He is in the twilight of his career. And he's going up against an upstart. So this was more of a placeholder fight where you would... People like to see GDS fight. People do want to see him win. But uh, yeah, he hasn't won for a bit. I think his last win was last year against uh, Derek Lewis, if I'm not wrong. But yeah, he hasn't won for a bit. He's been brutally knocked out by Nganu, Rosenstrike. Yeah, it's it's been a tough time for the man. And yeah, it was a clean win. I would say you could tell that Gan was very clinical. He was in control of the entire fight. He didn't seem panicked at all. He was composed and he was technically way better. Even though you saw uh, Dos Santos come with, a, a, you know, a few flurries every now and then. But it was just a valiant effort. It really, you know didn't lead up to much in the second round he did go for some haymakers but yeah but then we did see uh, a jab to basically it was a jab to initiate the finish and then there was a bit of controversy near the end uh, where of course he thought that he got hit in the back of the head the santos and he was complaining about it which is but then yeah there's a fine line between behind the ear and back of the head are you not allowed Uh, to do that in ufc yeah, you can't hit in the back of the head. That seems like a weird rule to have when you're fighting in a cage. But then it's the same rule in boxing. You can't hit in the back of the head. Yeah. yeah it so, I think we should just get rid of that rule. Yo, people would get brain damage. What are you, CTE center? But yeah. I mean, they're going to get it anyway. We'll punch each other in a cage. <laughs> so just fuck it completely. Just go at it. Just fuck it. Why not? Let's have no rules. Go back to UFC 1. 
Yeah, I'm joking, of course, guys. Yeah, he's not, but it's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is a good fight for Gone. He goes on to like he just raised his you know his profile. Uh, yeah, good times for him coming up. Uh, we don't know what happens to Dos Santos. It's a tough spot for him, but yeah, maybe he'll have a couple more placeholder fights, maybe one more, and then he should be done. But what a career he's had. But brutal ends is how a career ends in the UFC. Uh, let's move on to the second fight, which was between uh, Jacare Souza and uh, Kevin Holland. So, again, it's a similar story with Jacare Souza, who is clearly past his prime. And, yeah, again, he's not been great. Um, and he was facing Kevin Holland, who is... A potential fighter of the year uh, because he has fought six times this year uh, sorry he has fought five times this year and he has won all five fights that is crazy for uh, any UFC fighter for me of course uh, like again we'll have this uh, discussion near the end uh, I mean I'll have it with myself because you don't know the context but uh, but yeah, UFC 256 had two fighter of the year contenders, which is incredible. And Kevin Holland, again, is a loudmouth. His his nickname is the Big Mouth or Trailblazer. And yeah, he came in with the, with the confidence that you would expect him to have against. Uh, okay, so here's a record of Jacare Souza. He's fought. He's had 26 wins and nine losses. That is. A lot of fights for a man. And clearly this wasn't the place for him. But yeah, what were your thoughts on this fight? Yeah, it seemed uh, super like quick and punchy. But it was a little bit more grapply than the first one as well. Uh, yeah. Which, which I like. There were some stiff elbows in there from uh, Holland. Holland was the one that kept doing that weird jaw thing where he's like shifting his jaw from side to side. Like yeah. after the fight as well, which is like the only environment where I've ever seen anyone do that is when they're like super stoned. So I was worried he was super stoned. That's uh, that's not allowed. Um, there was that. Cool, you're not claiming anything on this podcast. There was that cool point where uh, like the other guy ha- had like Holland down, and Holland looked like he was trying to do like a triangle choke thing, and he like elbowed him in the head, and then Holland just got up super quick and started punching the shit out of him. And I think mm-hmm. that was the end of the fight or something. Uh, that was pretty cool uh holland seemed pretty cool like he seemed out of everyone on the the show to me he seemed like he was perhaps the best right fair enough at fighting and uh but he did did walk really weird as well like afterwards he was just doing like a a real like swaggy walk and stuff which annoyed me cool he's a cool dude he's an arrogant young man he is. His nickname is Big Mouth by Dana White called him a Big Mouth because uh, I'm not completely sure of the story, but basically he was talking a lot. He got eliminated from Tough. And yeah, after that, he wasn't going to get a fight until there was no one else available. So Dana White said, you know what, just call Big Mouth. Let's see what he can do. And this is yeah. where he is now. So. You see, he seemed like he was very good at this. So good future for mr kevin holland other guy i think other guy should probably quit he didn't seem very good from <laughs> from memory he didn't seem like he had much of a chance uh so i mean it was cool elbows look super stiff though from memory yeah 
Um, yeah, the main thing was Jacare is, of course, Jacare means alligator. So that, like, that's a style. He fights in a very grapply way. And like that's like as, a death row. Just gets him yeah. in his jaws and then death rolls. Yeah. By the uh, neck. And just eats, doesn't leave eats kids outside Disneyland. Yeah, every year, yeah. This year he could not because there were all basketball players outside Disney, but yeah. Everyone knows a basketball player is too big for an alligator. Yes. We don't need to explain that to the listeners. They all know. (laughs) But yeah, so I think Kevin Holland was prepared for that, that style. And instantly, as soon as he got taken down, he came quick with the strikes from the back, which is... Which is super tough. I mean, if you're able to do that, you, that's the way you can, you know, fight against grapplers. So are you and, saying that are you saying that Kevin Holland, you are definitively saying that Kevin Holland could be an alligator? Yes. Because he's prepared. Yes, he can. Okay, it's good I to think know. Let's shark. make that. Let's make that happen. That's going to be cooler than whatever this was. Uh, you, you know, you, there used to be this thing. Uh, <laughs> what a tangent. Um, they alligators. Uh, no, no, there was this thing called um, this is a machine thing where they used to have like gorillas versus sharks, but they would make a robot equivalent of it, and they would like talk about the advantages the animals have and how the fight between the robots would go. Yeah, I think uh, they used to do loads of shows like that. They used to do like loads of shows where uh, this show where people would like be in charge of old wars. That happened in like the past, but virtually. And they one of them would be like the general, and they would have to like dictate it on this big screen and stuff. That's just Dungeons cool and Dragons. Shows. They should bring it back. <laughs> yeah, that just sounds like Dungeons and Dragons to be fair. Yeah, but then, then they would like show you the simulation on screen, but they would like be they would be like generalizing it live, and then all the experts would be there and be like, "Oh, that's not what the Romans did." <laughs> It'd be really funny. It's a good show. <laughs> But Kevin Holland, we are saying, could fight an alligator. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what we're saying. But the finish was fascinating. First of all, as soon as uh, I think they did get up again after that, as you said, it was a quick recovery from Holland. And just right after, like he took him down again. Jacare took him down. And they were talking. like They were audibly talking to each other. Like They were just saying... Yeah, that was good. Or you know, I I don't know exactly what they said, but yeah, they were just talking and, uh, yeah, he did try and go for the triangle, but Jacare tried to escape, and that's exactly what Kevin Holland wanted. He created the separation with his foot and just went for strikes, and that was a unique finish. I've never seen that in the UFC before, and yeah, comfortable win, and he literally said after the fight that he would want to face. Kimaev, who this year has been a star because he's had some quick fights back-to-back, and he wanted to go again. Of course, he was supposed to go today, but that fight didn't materialize. Uh, But anyways, great performance from Kevin Holland. Jacques Rezouza should probably retire. I agree with you, even though your context was different. You just wanted him to retire because he didn't look good. Yeah, but he's old, and he's done his time. And bright future for Kevin Holland and hopefully a, a smooth farewell for Jacare Souza soon enough. He's, he said he, he'll be back stronger. Um, I, I hate that, but yeah, he's going to be back. And of course, he will book him as another placeholder fight. We then move on to the next fight between the women, uh, Mackenzie Dern versus 
Werner Jandiroba. And this was an interesting one for me because going into this, I was quite confident we would see Mackenzie Dern win. And I mean, go, uh, as, as, the, as the fight went on, I did see Jandiroba do really well. Because both fighters came at each other. There was no, uh, you know, there was no moment where I thought one fighter was letting the other have the edge. And when it went to the ground, it was very even. But in the striking game, we did see how good uh, Mackenzie Dern is. And, I mean, she's known for her wrestling. Her, her jiu-jitsu is great. And yeah, this was an interesting fight. What do you think? This is a wild ride. Yeah. This is like Bell went ladies' fists up and they just went fucking slugging at each other. Uh, this is the closest fight of all the fights to like a movie. Yeah. You know, when like the main character sees the main bad guy on like a roof and the rest of the city is like on fire around them and then they just start fucking fist fighting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seemed like a climactic battle. Yeah. Uh, in a way, they they were just trying to like kill each other. It was good. There was a little bit of grappling at one point, I think, to remember. Yeah. And then like it went to. Did this one go to the judges? I think it did. It did. It did. It did. It did all, all like three rounds or however many there were. Yeah. They were just fucking going for it. This was the best fight Ooh. for me. I enjoyed this fight the most because it was just like. It, it it was in an MMA environment, but it just it just more felt like an actual fight than like a structured thing. Fair enough. Of like the, you could say there wasn't really contrasting styles. It was yeah. just I'm gonna try and fight you, and the other person was like, "Good, fight me." Like when Neo first fought Morpheus. I've never seen the movie. You've never seen the Matrix. Nah. Fucking coward. I've seen Wild Hogs. That's a very good movie. People should watch it. It's not that. a good movie. Tim Allen. Uh, uh, I hate Tim Allen. <laughs> uh, yeah, I enjoyed This was my favorite fight. Yeah. I think if it weren't for the main event, this would be Fight of the Night. And this was a very good fight. I mean, let's not take away anything, in, like, even in context. But, but like, these two women went at it. And... I loved how both women, of course, they're both, uh, you know, very good uh, jiu-jitsu. And that show, they were good on their feet. They were good on the ground. Uh, of course, we did see Jean de Roba hurt Dern with the knee, which which was a moment where we, we could have seen the fight shift. But uh, Mackenzie just kept her, you know, just kept her focus. And again, she looked, in my opinion, she looked more fierce and quick with her strikes and i think that's what gave her the edge because on the ground i think they were you could have gone with any of them genre was well, very in terms good of like in terms of judging or just who's better at it i think i think both in a way I, I again better is tough because I, again i do think mackenzie dern is better at striking than genre roba or at least was on the night okay. and yeah that's i think that's what swayed the judges because on the ground you I think you could just go toted over with each other. Uh, I think Jean de Roba had great takedown defense, and that that would have that would have annoyed someone like Mackenzie Dern, who would be looking to take the fight to the ground, especially in in the later rounds. Uh, but yeah, 
good fight, very good fight, and Mackenzie Dern was uh, the rightful winner in my opinion. Oh yeah, Mackenzie Dern I think is probably going to end up being my favourite of person on the card. She seemed the most fierce. Like out of everyone, I think I'd be most scared of her, and I feel like that's what you're going for. In yeah, MMA. for sure. Interesting you said that. Okay, fair enough. So, so if she was about to hit you, uh, as opposed to Cyril Gan, you would be more scared of her. That's not what what I mean. Like, I think yeah, no. I just don't think he would. I just don't believe he would hit me. But as I think Mackenzie Dern would probably kill me. <laughs> Everyone else seemed like quite nice. Right. That's that's an interesting. She seemed take. fierce. She was fierce. She's very good. Uh, that was a very interesting take that you'd think Cyril Khan would not touch you but she would kill you I just think he seems too nice because I have no fighting experience so I think he'd be like oh no leave this guy alone but I feel like uh, she would probably just kill me without questioning it Kevin Holland I don't feel like I have to worry about because I'm not an alligator and I don't remember who's coming up next Uh, Tony Ferguson he just seemed shit so. Oh my god. Okay, so let's go into the next fight. So Tony Ferguson, the story of Tony Ferguson is fascinating. Of course you would not know, but let's talk about Tony Ferguson before we even get into this fight. Because Tony Ferguson at one point was on what an eight win winning streak? He was on a mad run. And he was supposed to face Habib Nurmagomedov five times. He was supposed to face him five times, and each time the fight got cancelled for some reason or the other. Some freak injury, COVID, unbelievable moments of just, there's no way this happened. And this fight just could not happen. And he was supposed to face him this year, and... Because of COVID, Habib could not leave his country. So the fight was for the interim belt between Justin Gaethje and Tony Ferguson, which Tony Ferguson lost brutally. And that's a sad thing because Tony Ferguson had been winning for so long before that fight. And he comes into this fight and he gets brutally beaten. It, basically, he was bloodied up. It was brutal. And in the last round, in the last minute, he was like, he was going to continue. He's El Kakui. He is the boogeyman. He was going to keep going. He's a freak, basically. If, if, I know you don't know him. He ha, He's the most weird guy in on the roster. He would, he just do weird shit. He always had a baseball with him. He had a certain swag about him. He would do the most weird workout things where he would, he would either kick a metal pole he would jump around all the places. That was his workout. That was literally his workout. And it's a good workout. So he's a video game character. He is. He's literally a video game character. And good. yeah, he is incredible. And everyone loves him. And he got mauled in the, the in the fight before this. And of course, because uh, Justin Gaethje won, he got the chance to face Habib. And Habib won and Habib retired. And of course, that there's a video going around where, of where Tony Ferguson reacts to it, and he's just so dejected because that's the fight. That is the fight. He, the story is, this man was unbelievable. He was a star. He was 
this enigma and he never got a chance for the belt. And that sucks because he deserved it, especially during that run where, uh, you know, he was on that winning streak. And after that, in this fight, he just seemed like, what's the point? I think that's the attitude he had come with. He had changed his coaching. He had come into this fight with a different mindset. You could see before the fight when Bruce Buffer introduces him, he does not have the same energy, the same aura about him. He was just there like, okay, let's go, which is not what Tony Ferguson is. And he is going up against Charles Oliveira, who is who has gained this unbelievable amount of confidence in his ability based on actually going through adversity, actually going through losses. And after facing those losses, now he he has been fighting since, I don't know, 2009, 2011? He's been at this for a while, his opponent. And his record is 30 wins, 8 losses. So that's unbelievable. And he has learned a lot on this journey. And I think now he was so self-assured at what he had to do. There was not an ounce of worry in his own ability coming out of this fight. And you could just say, you could just tell that he was going to be the best he could be in this fight. And I could see that it was two, it was a crossroads fight for Tony Ferguson. And what happened, happened. So what were your thoughts on this fight? Yeah, it didn't seem like much of a fight. Like it felt like one guy was prepared and the other guy wasn't. It was like the last time when uh, Anthony Joshua fought Ruiz in like uh, in Saudi Arabia, and Ruiz was like just so underprepared and just looked well, like right. he was just completely like gassed by the time he got into the cage, meaning like he was completely just out of energy. Yeah, he didn't look like a guy who wanted to be there, which I think is selfish for like taking a place from someone who would have actually tried. But he didn't seem like at all bothered. And the other guy just seemed like he was just mad, like as in create a crazy person. But he he seemed pretty cool. Uh, but Tony Ferguson just should just go away. Like he just seemed like he had a bad attitude. Wow. And uh, from memory, it just didn't really seem like he was trying. Like he was just like I don't know. He didn't seem like the guy because they were like hyping it up. Obviously before the fight, they were like, "Oh, this guy's going to be so good. This yeah. is a big moment." And he just, it like, is. came out and just didn't really seem to care. So that was kind of a break for me during that fight. I was, like, half paying attention. And I think I went and got some snacks, like, during it. But, like, wow. I don't know. <laughs> this didn't seem, yeah, it, it, it wasn't very interesting. Yeah, that's and interesting. It just seemed like the guy, like, I don't know. If he doesn't care, why should I? But I'm mm-hmm. glad he didn't win. So hopefully I never have to see him again. It was a real downer after that brutal fight beforehand. <laughs> Holy shit. What an opinion. Uh, but yeah, that's what this podcast is about. <laughs> but so yeah, from my perspective, I don't think it was about Tony not trying. I think he had no opportunity to try. It was unbelievable from what Charles Oliveira did. This was oh, first of all, this is a very one-sided fight. I think that's obvious because Oliveira had eleven minutes of ground control. Eleven minutes yeah. of ground control. It was the most grapply, but it was also just a bit like... I think that also just made it a little bit boring. 
as well right. where it's just like one guy's just I, like I completely dominating and you're just like well just, does the ref just end this now like there's a point really early on where the other guy uh i'm gonna stop calling him the other guy what's his name Oliveira yeah had like didn't he have like arm bar in like the first round or something the, oh my god and i was like oh, oh let's just end the fight then you're gonna snap his elbow and then the fight carried on like, yeah, he, he hyperextended his elbow and th- thankfully I mean so this is what Tony Ferguson said after the fight that his son is double jointed so he channeled that feeling somehow and it kept him going through that round and it was if that was five seconds more it would either have been an arm break or, or a tap out so she just tapped out and all the refs should have been like you're not going to win this it's done <laughs> a ref can't do that a ref is just there to safeguard the people. And if he felt like he could continue, he could. Um, uh, oh, well. But yeah, I, do, the, I, do I never have to see him again or will Tony Ferguson be back? Uh, he would be back, but not for a while. Oh, so, good. Good. Get a yeah. break from him. He was my least favorite. He's everything. He's the complete opposite of what I liked about Mackenzie Dern. He was the opposite. You'd think he would not hit you? No, because I don't think he would care enough to even try. I don't think he would be there if I like invited him to see like oh which UFC person would hit me. I don't think he would turn up. <laughs> so people are just turning up to hit you. Yeah, well, if that's if that's the environment that we're in, I don't think Tony Ferguson would hit me, but I think Charles Oliveira would like. He's I don't know. I feel like he man. might because he would probably be the one. I think he would live stream it. He seems like a guy who's really into streaming. <laughs> Holy shit, there you go. That's the take. Like, he looked like a YouTuber. Especially at the end, he put on those fake glasses. They, like, look, they look good. It, he had it that almost... weird look. Oh, no, I'm not, not like dissing yeah. him. Look, the guy looked good, but like he just seems like he was... He seemed like the guy, out of all the UFC people, he probably has his own YouTube channel. Many people do. Trust me, many people do, and I don't think he's one of them. Um... Should do yeah. it. He'd be good. There's some extra income if he's allowed. Twitch. Want to find out? Charles Oliveira Twitch. <laughs> no, he's not. He doesn't have his own Twitch. You sh- you should make one and pretend to be him. No, I think that's illegal. Doesn't matter. Uh, but yeah, um, Dana White would not have allowed that anyways. I think he would no, learn from probably. Instagram. <laughs> He'd immediately be like, "Well, that's our money." Yeah. <laughs> oh man let's not go into that topic holy shit um but yeah this was a very one-sided fight uh charles Oliveira was just you know much better technically i think in the in the second and third round we we did see tony try we did see him attempt to fight off the uh, the you know the ground control that charles Oliveira had but obviously to no avail he just seemed like he was. He knew he was not going to win, and that was it. That was the end of the fight. Again, people are talking about Tony's decline, and he's lost two fights. And yeah, here's the one. Here's one thing. People say that he was on the winning streak, and now he's lost two. Those winning streaks, those fights, he was getting brutally beaten up in those, but he pulled off a win. That does not mean he wasn't taking damage. He's been continually taking damage for a while, and I think it's not showing. But I think again, this fight says more about how good Charles Oliveira is rather than the decline of uh, Tony Ferguson. I don't know what he does. I think he does need to have another name fight instead of 
someone who's actually very good in Charles Oliveira, maybe. I mean, I know I'm dissing everyone else who I mentioned after this, but yeah, he should face someone who is probably more on his level. And let's see how that goes. Because right now, that championship scene is heating up. You have Justin Gaethje still. You have Conor McGregor returning. You have, uh, obviously now Charles Oliveira is back, and I think he can beat all of them. You have Dustin Poirier. You have many people going for the championship. So I think this is the time where you could see Tony Ferguson maybe have a few fights, see what he's about, and he should have one more chance for the championship, at least one chance for the championship, because that's what he deserves, in my opinion. Uh, but again, very resilient on, on Tony's part to actually withstand that all the beating that he got. And yeah, commendable on his part. And of course, props to Charles Oliveira for an incredible performance. What a guy. What a guy. And now we talk about the main event. So this fight was between Davison Figueredo and Brandon Moreno. So, this fight, both these people, first of all, fought 21 days ago and both won their individual fights. And, again, both were ready for another fight and they went at it. Unbelievable from what I saw. Because, first of all, both people are very good at ground game. And, of course, we've seen... I think we've seen two submission victories from Figueredo uh, this year. So I thought maybe he would want to take the fight to the ground. But, yeah, I mean, not really, because he stood up to uh, Brandon Moreno, and Brandon Moreno stood up to him. And first of all, I would like to know what you think about this fight. Yeah, I mean, it seemed it was it was a pretty good fight like it seemed quite like back and forth uh i'm like what both of them were both trying to get the other guy to the floor at points but then sometimes they were just doing like weird spin kicks and like elbows and stuff uh there's a lot of like high kicks from which one's the guy with the red stripe in his head which way round were they that's figueredo okay figueredo had like a really cool like high kick like a yeah. lot of the time that looked really cool uh it was like yeah it just seemed like it was a war it was like the two tough kids at school are finally going at it and you're just getting to watch. Uh, they both took like punches. There was one point where Figueredo was just like his arms were down and he was just like getting hit in the head and he was just like, come on, hit me more. That seemed cool. Uh, yeah. it, it felt like a main event in like the terms of, of the quality and everything like that. I think MMA overall works better as a spectator sport when it is like the smaller people right because the heavyweights like a a big heavyweight fight in boxing is cool because it's two guys just doing like the same thing they're both trying to punch each other and there's loads of power behind it been like an mma environment where they were trying to do like ground stuff and kicks and stuff i feel like it doesn't really work as well as a casual watcher when it's two big guys because it's very slow when it's like the little people it's just like a bit crazy. But I mean, it felt like a main event. Uh, and yeah, the guy who you kept telling me is really good won. So that was good. So there you go. A little bit of context before, I mean, I talk about what happened. Um, Davis and Figueroa the day before was hospitalized because of food poisoning. And 
basically he a weight cut for him is tough because he naturally is a very is not a 125 pounder so he's like big right and he basically had to be in the hospital the entire day and the fight was almost canceled but he withstood that and he came into uh, the, the fight and of course his gas tank was lowered his his uh, i think his coaches were like he was preparing for a one-round fight because that's what his previous fight was and of course it went on to be a five-round slugfest so props to figueredo again uh, marina said that everyone goes through that but again i, I think we should give credit where it's due to figueredo in that and this, that does not take away anything from what Moreno was able to do. In this fight, I would say this was the fight that I was... I actually got... Em, I wouldn't say I was really... My, my emotions were running high. I, was, I wasn't emotional, but I was like really amped up at what I was watching. Because this is what the sport is about, in my opinion. When you have these two people who are just willing to go at it. I mean, uh, again, you could see a bit of arrogance from Figueiredo. Maybe, I don't know if it was arrogance, but his hands were down initially. And then when the strikes came in, that's when he was like, okay, I need to defend, otherwise I'm going to I'm gonna lose here. And this was just a total, total war. And I mean, Figueiredo is known as a god of war, so it fits. And a slobber knocker of a fight. They, they just went at it, round after round. Uh, we did see a few moments of you know discrepancies from Figueiredo the major one being uh the low blow which floored uh, Moreno that was bad that was really bad uh but he came back and he won that round so here's the thing in my opinion round one was Figueiredo round two was Moreno I thought round three was Moreno as well which uh the judges disagreed with everyone said it was um Figueiredo which makes sense but since he had already gotten a point taken away there, uh, I thought if if that is true, then and if Moreno has won that round, that's a 10-8 round. But otherwise, it's 9-9. But let's say it was, at that point, if it was a 10-8, and then round four was clearly won by uh, Moreno, I thought the fight's over. I thought Brandon Moreno had won. And the fifth round was, of course, Figueiredo winning. So I thought, but still, if... It now came down to the third round because it was Figueiredo dominating initially and then the low blow happened and then the momentum shifted where we did see uh, Moreno do better, uh, ironically, after that. But I think, yeah, I think looking back, I watched that round back and I do think Figueiredo won that round. So the fight basically came to a majority draw. But what a fight. There was there were moments where you could like I've seen in the UFC when you take a few hits there is this thing where you just you know take take your time you step back but these two just went at it like no matter what you cannot deny the heart the two fighters showed Brandon Moreno standing toe to toe with the champion and just going at it you saw. Davison Figueredo as a champion taking the fight to the challenger. And I think that's the story of Davison Figueredo this entire year. He first faced uh, Benavides where he was over, like he was 2.5 pounds over. So he basically had to give up 
uh, a percentage of his purse and he could not win the championship, but he beat him. And because he beat him, he got a rematch where he made weight and then won the championship. He then faced um, uh, Alex Perez and he beat him just like 21 days before this fight. And then he beat uh, uh, Moreno. I mean, he didn't beat him. It was a draw, but what a fight. And I think looking back, you could say that if uh, he should have won, but again, the point deduction uh, was a thing. And yeah, just an incredible fight. And both men should run it back. There's no other fight to make in this division right now. And yeah, props to Davison Figueredo, who in my mind is fighter of the year. I do not think it's Kevin Holland because I think the journey that uh, Figueredo has been on this year, considering he was the one who was calling out people. He was the one who called out Brandon Moreno. He was like, I want to face him. And that's amazing that a champion was the one who was hunting. And four fights, winning the championship, and then defending it twice. Incredible year and an incredible performance. What a guy. I can't argue with any bit of that, probably. <laughs> probably. Um, but yeah, what an event. I think top to bottom, every fight meant something. You saw Cyril Gaon raise his stock. You saw Kevin Holland do really well. And yeah, just prove that he's up there with the best. You then had Mackenzie Dern and John DeRoba just go at it toe-to-toe. Incredible fight. And Charles Oliveira, be, he was just basically a killer in there. Tony Ferguson was is at a weird spot in his career right now. And the main event was probably fight of the year, or second best fight of the year, because Zhang Weili versus Joanna Zizek at the start of the year was much better. Not much better. It's close. But yeah, I think reactionary, I would say this was probably fight of the year. And yeah, a great event. And props to the UFC too for ending the year on a high. Well done to the UFC. Big props. Big ups UFC. Big ups Dana White. Not really because, uh, well, never mind. Because people obviously talk more about Conor McGregor, who is going to be, I think we, if you're only doing numbers, I think he would be the next UFC event. So that will be the next one we talk about uh, in a month. Uh, January 23rd, I think, is the event. And people are definitely talking more about that. And Mr. Jake Paul and the Paul brothers, which is insane. But guess what? People more people care more about that kind of bullshit than two fighter of the year fighters going at it. Uh, unfortunately. Hmm. Do what you got to do to make money. Indeed. Get the back, get the back. Um, but yeah, that's... I'll go into that at some point some other point but yeah that was the show overall what what did you think nathan it was fine uh i don't really make me i'm not ufc is not really my thing not really my bag but there was some fun stuff on there say i like kevin holland he seemed cool uh i like mackenzie dern and verna that was a great fight Mm. uh the main event seemed quite like more like a war uh which is pretty cool uh like that couple of things that really didn't really care for the first match don't really remember a lot about it and uh the one with tony ferguson just seems like a little bit like a like a break he was kind of just, just chill for 10 minutes and then come back and i won't be buying the ufc video game 
can say that now. No matter I mean, how many times they bring it up. Well, uh, guess what? They don't care about you. But good. I don't care about that. <laughs> Let's leave each other alone, UFC. Just get on with our own thing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was a good show, a great show. And again, today we saw more UFC on Fight Night. That was a good event as well. And yeah, good year for the UFC, a pioneering year for them for bringing sports back. And Dana White claimed the co- the COVID rate of uh, of their fight island trip was 0.08. I don't think I believe it. Um, but yeah, there you go. I, I don't know how he's filtering that metric to make it come down to 0.08. But fair enough. A, a good run for the UFC this year. And yeah, next year looks to be... I have no idea. I'm not going to comment on what any future is like because of the way the world is right now. But we can only be positive and hope for the best. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure every, as long as everyone's safe, then the safety can be when you're getting into a cage to punch each other. I mean, you said you just remove all the rules and just hit each other in the back of the head. Yeah, I did. I mean, still, you get into a cage to fight. Fair Why enough. not? Why not? Just dick, each, dick kick each other like 10 Let's times. Let's just do it. You'll get some good, like, cup sponsorship. Dana White can steal from the fighters. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was that was a good podcast. And yeah, that was a good discussion, in my opinion. And hopefully we'll be back next month to talk about Mr. McGregor coming back and see how that goes. Let's do it. Let's do it indeed. Well, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, I hope that was fun enough to see the two different perspectives. I'm not like a huge UFC fan. I'm not watching every single MMA event around the world. But uh, yeah, I try and keep up. And yeah, thank you all for tuning in. Um, Thank you, Nathan, for joining me. That's all right. Anytime. You can plug yourself. Okay. Uh, As always, you can find me at uh nathan greenway on twitter you can find me over at rogue opinions at rogue underscore opinion talking uh movies tvs and everything uh every week uh, if you want to hear me talk about football or soccer if you're in america uh you can find me over at project dits it's project d-i-t-s every week with dara uh, my co-host on plus added time but otherwise i don't know rahul will I, will I be back Oh, probably. I don't know many other people, but <laughs> but yeah. Um, wish everyone a very happy or as happy as it could be holiday season. Try and keep your spirits up. It's a tough time for everyone, but we're gonna get through it. And yeah, there's still a lot of things to be happy about in the world, and let's cling on to that and hope for the best for humanity. Thank you. Thank you all for tuning in, and we'll be back soon. Bye. Bye.